0: If you have heard or learned about iconography, an ancient tradition that understands sacred art as windows into heaven, some believe that St. Luke was the first painting images of Mary, Christ's mother, and it is not a tradition without its own controversy. Is praying with an icon idolatry? But nevertheless, the tradition still exists. Both Eastern and Western Christian traditions use icons for study and prayer. Icons are typically images of Jesus, saints, or from biblical history. Their goal is to lead us upward or draw us close to God. Saint John of Damascus wrote in his famous Defense of Icons, Through the icons of Christ, we contemplate his bodily form, his miracles, and his sufferings, and we are sanctified. The icons of the saints are filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, sacred images embody divine grace and communicate that grace to us. Icons and images of John the Baptist are fairly predictable, wild hair, strange robe, and typically he is pointing away from himself, which makes sense as John's ministry prepares the way, points to Christ. I have two icons of John the Baptist, which seems rather extravagant. I think we probably only need one. But nevertheless, I have one that was given to me, handmade or hand prayed by a very dear friend, This one has a bright frame around John's face, but his eyes, his eyes are turned away, commending us and reminding us that John looks for someone else. The other icon is very different, an almost unpredictable image of John. In this image, the eye is drawn towards a path in the desert. John almost blends in with the wilderness that's around him. He stands on the threshold between the desert and the world. Now, to say that John the Baptist is an interesting character feels a bit like an understatement. And indeed, in this portion of Mark's gospel that we have today, he feels understated. In a gospel that is known for drama and urgency, John's entrance feels almost calm and quiet. But let us not be fooled. John is spicy. He is enough of a threat and a menace that Herod has him imprisoned. And even his death is dramatic, beheaded in Herod's court and served on a platter. Aren't you glad the children are gone now? Now, while we only have a glimpse of him in the gospel, his ministry is vital. Vital to us and to Jesus' own ministry. John stands between what God did and what God is doing. He emerges from the desert as a prophet of old, declaring the kingdom of God is right now. The season of Advent, for me, is a bit disconcerting. Advent is the beginning of the church year. You might say that last Sunday, December the 3rd, our first Sunday of Advent, is the equivalent of a New Year's Day for an embedded church person. We begin the new church year by preparing for the Christ child. In this season, I often find myself yearning for quiet and reflection. I want some time and some space to wonder how the last year drew me close to God and also to face the things that distracted me from God. Meanwhile, cultural and familial expectations demand my attention elsewhere. Now, please do not misunderstand me. I love a good sparkly light or shopping for presents, parties. I even like Santa Claus, and I really like Christmas treats. Good old Christmas cookie any day of the week. And yet, still I feel the tension between my desires, between quiet and festivity, I feel a little wobbly. In the history of Israel, the prophets hold this tension, this tightrope of our faith. And maybe they even shake it up a little bit. They demand that we look at our lives and consider what is distracting us from God. And this includes, but is certainly not limited to, our worship of other gods our injustices and lack of mercy, and our lack of care for creation and one another. And so the prophets call us back into relationship with God and God's ways. But They also remind us of God's ongoing redemptive activity in our midst. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The prophet is teaching Israel of God's compassionate mercy for them. God has not abandoned God's people. God's mercy brings a new life, away out of the desert. The voice of the prophet declares who we are, who God calls us to be, and what God is doing. And when we listen to the prophets, we remember who and whose we are. So here is John, standing in the threshold between the desert and the world, Listen to his voice crying out in the wilderness. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's pretty wild if you think about it, and a little spicy. Here's John calling for repentance, listening to the people's confessions, and baptizing them. But none of this, none of what he does, has anything to do with him. Look, he says, your God comes to you. Get ready. Christ is near. The sacred art of the Christmas season the iconography, if you will, will trick us. Mary and Joseph cuddled together, holding their newborn safely tucked in their arms. But notice that Mark's gospel gives us none of these images. No inn, no shepherds, no holy family. Mark takes us straight to the desert To this strange and wild man. And he tells us to prepare, get ready, for the Holy Spirit is coming to you, into your life. It is almost a warning. John, on the threshold of the desert, inviting us to come close, to pay attention. God is near. And it should make us uncomfortable. Because the desert is a place of barrenness and discomfort, a place of life and death. And the truth is, when we consider God's activity in the world, it probably will make us uncomfortable. Because here is Christ eating with sinners and tax collectors, forgiving his enemies, loving the unlovable. Here is Christ inviting us to follow him all the way. To Jerusalem, the cross, and an empty tomb. To meet John in the waters of baptism, we must come close to the wilderness. We must wonder what needs to be swept away in order for us to receive Christ. What in us needs to die in order to That we may live. It is a comfort and a challenge. Our God comes to us, meets us in the wilderness, and invites us to divine love and mercy an incredible, magnificent gift. And we must prepare to welcome and receive this gift into our lives shedding whatever stands in the way, that we can receive this divine grace. Let us heed John's word and cleanse our hearts, for the kingdom of God is very near to us.